0: Hello and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Tanya.
1: And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 83. Today we'll be discussing our new favorites for fifth and sixth grade. We'll also be discussing some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment. We'll share a work smarter, not harder teacher
0: tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And now it is time to talk about our highs and or lows um, from the school week. And this was our first week back in person um after a long hiatus uh we had kids in our rooms both you and i right carrie
1: We did. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, kindergarten through fifth grade students are back in person, as are yours, Tanya, but my school, we still have sixth grade at my school, and those students still had one more week of being fully online this last week, and then this upcoming week, they're going to go back to being hybrid, some of them. Some students will still choose to be fully online, and some students will be hybrid, so they'll be coming to school too. Or three days a week, depending on how Fridays fall. It's very convoluted. but um, And that's what my low is going to be about, which is... I don't know ironic is that the word I'm looking for because you know today we're talking about fifth and sixth grade and, we're new such favorites and things yeah. that work but this is the reality check to say that sometimes things are hard and I mean I've especially for older grades and I know there's a lot of teachers who say this as well that upper elementary fifth sixth grade it's hard and it gets better mm. the longer you've been with the students the more you build relationships with them and these sixth grade students now I've had since first grade and that makes a huge difference right because I mean yeah. I, mean, I feel like they're mine and as, far as my music students. they've had me more than any other music teacher. So you could always
0: say, well, just think what it would be like if they hadn't had you. You know?
1: Exactly, yeah. And and the longer I've been at the school, the better it's gotten with these students. However, <laughs> just the reality of still being fully online and they are so over it. And um, I think a lot of them felt it, especially this week, because if they had younger siblings that came back to school in person and they were still at home and knowing it was their last week online, a lot of them truly checked out, like literally didn't sign in, checked out. Or here's what my low is really gonna be about. It's about Zooming with sixth graders you know young preteen adolescent kids who like to show me the very tippy top of their head or their ceiling in their zoom videos because you know we, we we really try to encourage and require videos we know that there are going to be times kids can't turn on their videos and i always tell the kids just drop me a private message if you've got something going on and you don't feel comfortable with your video on just tell me what's going on as much as you feel comfortable telling me um but otherwise i really want to see you i want to know you're okay and i want I want to connect with you in that way. So the kids have gotten savvy where, sure, I'll turn on my video, but I'm going to point it at my ceiling. Um, So I was very frustrated. Um, Well, Tuesday was was our first day back because of Martin Luther King Jr., Remembrance Day. Anyways, so I I reached out to their classroom teacher and I said, I'm beside myself. What do I do? And she said, well, we have a rule and they should follow it in your class, too, where you have to see the whites of their eyes. And I kind of giggled because I was like, that seems so specific, but it worked. So this is a low, but this is also some advice if you're still in any sort of online live Zooming instruction, um, giving your kids really specific guidelines of what you need to see from them is really helpful because if I say I need to see your face they're still going to angle it in a way where I can literally see like a chunk of their forehead and that's it so I tell the students I need to see the whites of your eyes and then occasionally I do tell the kids like if we're getting to a point where I'm asking them to sing or read rhythms I say I need to see your mouth Mm. Or if we're clapping rhythms, I need to see your hands. So you can hold your hands up higher than your head if you need to. But, you know, I just am very specific with the kids about what I need to see from them for them to be counted as present and participating in the class. And once I started doing that, it got better. And then, you know, the other issue we were having was like work completion because... In our Zoom meetings, we would, you know, talk about whatever little mini lesson we were doing, and then I would give them some sort of independent work assignment, which I'm going to talk more about in our main theme, which has been going really well all year in general, but with sixth grade this week, it wasn't going so well. And we have a... An app that allows us to see our kids' screens when we Mm -hmm. are doing Zoom meetings with them and things. So I'm very honest. I tell the kids, I can see your screen. And I would just see kids who would just leave the Zoom meeting and they would just go start doing other things and not do their independent work. So again, I just had to be extremely honest with the kids and say, I know you're not happy. I know this is not the ideal for teaching or learning. I don't love it either, but this is where we are. And I'm feeling very disrespected as, as your educator that I'm putting a lot of work into trying to provide the best experience I can for you. And you are putting zero effort. Some of you are putting zero effort into your work. And once I was honest with them and clear and firm, without yelling. I mean, I got a little rah, rah, rah with them, but I told them (laughs) that you're kind of making me, you know, like I don't know what else to do. Anyways, all that to say by the end of the week, it got better. Was it fantastic? No. And I'm really hoping that once I get to see the kids in person, at least a couple days a week, those connections will go back into place and kids who haven't been doing much will do more. And there will still always be kids who struggle with this mode of learning. And we know that, but anyways it was frustrating it got a little better i'm still a little like not loving teaching sixth grade right
0: now which is, yeah. i will
1: try not to let that influence my attitude in this main theme today because um i have gotten to love teaching older kids and sixth graders the longer i've been doing it at this particular school but some weeks are still just hard so
0: yes understand so that's my
1: long rant sorry
0: that's all good <laughs> Hey, How about you, we're, Tanya? We're keeping it real. We right? are
1: keeping it real. We we always try to.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so I was going to go low as well. <laughs> really um, keeping it real. Yeah, because uh, life, life and life right now during all the things that are going on. I mean, as you mentioned, um, where this is, you know, some kids are back in person, some kids are are still going to be online some kids are making transition every kid's making a transition no matter what it is right and um all right uh so my low in general is that i'm struggling with a specific um not older class um younger class uh of second graders and they it, there's there's so many things that go into it and it's just good to remind myself that the, it's the very last class of the day this is the first week back in person and they are so tired
1: they are so tired They're oh my so
0: gosh tired and after talking to cla- the classroom teacher but then especially after emailing parents um which you know i mean gosh after all the years i've been teaching you'd think i'd be over it I tell you what, every time I think I've said this before, every time I sit down to email a parent and I think I just need to like, you know, lay it out and and be kind, but be very specific. Like, here's the situation that happens. I'm concerned about your, your child because this is going on. And like, it always takes me like 20 to 45 minutes. I tell you what, because I just, I I really want to come off as, um, concerned because I am and, and caring. And, but I also want to say the saying, okay, type of thing too, right, right. but it's not the parent. Like I'm a parent and I imagine what it's like on the other side. And there's all these other factors going in, but after emailing um, a couple of parents and hearing what's going on, um, you know, it always puts it in a better perspective for me and Like I said, as long as I've been teaching, I still have to remind myself to not take it personally, you know, Uh that I can be the most amazing, magical music teacher ever. And because of the situation at home or the situation at school or the time of day, or if there's any kind of medication involved that might be waning or might be forgotten or might be, you know, needed to be adjusted or... A lack of food or a lack of sleep all of these things play into it I'm not excusing my responsibility as their teacher um, but I got to be realistic right so anyway I I had a couple of days in a row uh, this week so we had four days and I'd say like two out of four of the classes with this particular class were just miserable because we we were not getting things done because of kids who are just not able to um, control their bodies or focus. And anyway, so, you know, this this was a low. But I did do some things that I think are moving in the right direction because I want these kids to have a great experience during their entire school day. So I want to know what's going on. But it's just a good reminder um, that all the students that we see, they have a life that's going on that we're not seeing and we have no idea what's going on. Right. So true. Yeah. So, you know. It's just a good thing to keep it in perspective. Um, I will say that on Friday, yesterday, it was very interesting. I had gotten away from my mindful minutes, actually, um, because there's just so many things that I've been trying to do. And so um, in planning for this class and reworking some things for Friday, because I'm like, all right, let's let's look at what's going on and my pacing and, and make sure it's gonna play to their strengths. I was like, you know what? Let's just take let's just do some mindful minutes. Let's do a two minute exercise at the beginning. And for some of them, this was really effective. And, and it's very interesting to see um, which kids are able to really benefit from even the very first time you do mindful minutes with them you know during the school year or that month and so i'm really glad i took that those couple of minutes um to do that at the very beginning of class we came in we had an opening song we we sat down and we just went for it and some kids you know had trouble controlling their bodies other kids they were focused and um for some of them it made a difference not the ones that I really was focused on that I right, that right. I needed to most, but for others. And that's the other thing is that don't forget the other kids in your class. Right. right exactly. Yeah. So anyway, my, that was my long ramble of my low, but uh, I'm, I'm always trying to look on the bright side. And a night's sleep is a good thing sometimes before you make big decisions on how you're going to, um, Really take action on things. Depending, you know, like the the next day after a night's sleep, I am less likely to go into a spiraling "woe is me." How you know I'm a horrible teacher? How could I, uh, you know, how could they respond to me like this? Like let's just let that go. Right. Yeah.
1: So now it is time to dive into our main theme, and we are actually starting a new series of episodes that will be coming out in the next couple of months here. And this is going to be a new grade-level series. So back in 2019, do you remember... Remember back in 2019, Tanya? Um, Vaguely,
0: yeah. I didn't have to wear a mask, right? Right?
1: We had no clue. So uh, in October of 2019, we started a focus on such and such grade level um, series. And we did an episode for kindergarten all the way up. We did a two-parter for third grade because we had so much to say. And then we actually continued this into 2020, into the early parts of 2020. um, And we finished up with a focus on fifth grade in January of 2020. So the idea was, We took each grade level and we talked about, you know, in a traditional Kodai inspired classroom, what are some of the main skills and concepts we focus on, and we gave a few ideas for songs and activities to support those. Well, then, you know, the whole world changed. And so we are coming back at this idea of a grade level series with a new perspective of what are still those important things that we've carried into our grade levels and where has our focus shifted, especially as Kodai-inspired teachers. So today's episode is gonna be focusing on fifth and sixth grade, because like I mentioned earlier, I still do teach sixth grade and I Tanya has lots of experience with sixth grade, although you're not teaching sixth grade this year.
0: Not this year, but I was oh, last right. year.
1: But obviously, that's not to say that some of the ideas that we're talking about can't be for either grade or even carried into fourth grade. Um, so I will say now just because it might come up that like in my homeschool, I have a lot of split grade classes. So I actually see my fifth graders with my fourth graders. And I made the decision to um, really teach more to, if I am doing literacy type stuff, traditional code-inspired literacy things, teach more to the fifth grade concepts. And I did a like a, a very extended review of 4th grade rhythmic specifically concepts at the beginning of the year to get my 4th graders kind of caught up in a little whirlwind experience and that way we're all kind of on the same page so if you ever hear me just say my 4th and 5th graders that's why because I do have those split classes
0: yes so.
1: yeah yep. Anyway, so all that to say here we are we're going to talk about 5th and 6th grade Um, And really what what has been our focus so far this year and what are some some examples of some things that have worked, tried and
0: true-ish activities. (laughs)
1: Well, they're
0: not (laughs) first time tried, maybe. Right,
1: exactly, because I think that's the one thing that I think a lot of us, I mean, I would say veteran teachers, because, you know, Tani and I are in double digits, well into double digits of teaching, (laughs) um, is that this year is, you know, it feels like we've said this before in a way, sometimes we feel like first year teachers all over again because we're pulling in all these new ideas to replace things that we can't do or things that we've rethought, so. Yes. All right, well, let's jump in. So Tanya, would you like to start and talk about some things you're working on with your fifth graders?
0: Yes, I totally can. All right, And and I know that in this podcast, I have talked about how this year, I am um, refocusing on some things, especially in the realm of literature I'm using. And well, (sighs) okay, so because of what has been going on as far as being in person, sometimes being online and Zooming with students sometimes, I, I really sat down at the beginning of the year and I made some big decisions and one of the big decisions was that I'm not, I was not with the fifth graders specifically, and a little bit with fourth grade, that I was not going to really focus on traditional Kodai inspired. Here is what they should be learning in the sequence right now, melodically and rhythmically. Okay. And much of that was that I need to dip my toe into some some of these other things that I've been thinking about and I can't do it all. And this year could be a time where I feel like I have more license to to get away from that. Now, okay, all of this being said, yes, we do have a curriculum in our district and I know that there's state standards and I, this is my Kodai teacher guilt coming out like, um, I, I just, I made that decision anyway. And I and I decided that I'm gonna do a little more quote world music, a little more not traditional general music classroom, quote classical music. I'm gonna make sure that I really have strong relationships with my older students. I wanna provide them more opportunities to play instruments like ukuleles, which I've, I hadn't done before. Um, I am going to be bringing out my keyboards pretty soon, like after this um, two week unit, which I will do three times over, um, I'm gonna be bringing out the keyboards earlier than I'm used to. We're gonna focus more on that. We're gonna bring in some more um, popular in rock music with the keyboards. And so, okay, all this to say that I did focus a lot, my Brazilian u- unit, which I've mentioned, it got a little out of control, it, just in the sense that I spent a long time on it because we were just having such a good time, and um, and it's the way it worked out, and and that's okay because especially that I'm now teaching in a school that I've never taught in before. I'm teaching a group of fourth graders because I brought that unit into fourth grade. And it was really nice. I won them over like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was through that music that we were playing. Yeah, and I yeah. think that that, knowing, not knowing these students ahead of time, and also some of those kids had been through a few music teachers before I was teaching them this year. And so to start out the year where we're talking and listening and um, not reading rhythms, not reading melodies, but really focusing on music as a whole um, and also bringing in the cultural aspect. I think that was a winning thing for you know me getting to know these students. Uh, so anyway, right now what I'm doing with the fifth graders is we're playing ukulele. And we had started playing ukulele in person back before Thanksgiving. Um, since Thanksgiving, we've been online. So we had Thanksgiving break and then our district said, all right, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's going to be all online and we're not going back, uh, in-person elementary people until what was it? Oh, well, it was my husband's birthday until July 19th. So there we go.
1: January 19th, um, you
0: mean? I'm sorry, January 19th. Oh, I <laughs> do not 19th. know
1: your husband's birthday.
0: <laughs> I know my husband's birthday. I just don't uh, know what month I'm in anymore. Um,
1: I totally get it.
0: Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, so January 19th is when we started back. So let's let's look at this. Um, it was with this particular group, it was early November that we were last in the same room together. Yep. And we played ukuleles for two days. Yeah. Is how it, it worked out. Um, because at that time I was doing half of them, um, doing a assignment on their Chromebooks and half of them playing ukuleles. Cause at that time I didn't have enough ukuleles. And so that's how I was working that. So really they played two times in person. Um, so yeah, so now we're, we're, we're doing more ukuleles and all the, um, songs that we're doing is we're learning chords, um, and we're doing some, pop songs yeah and rock songs uh we are singing like three little birds was one of the very first songs that we did and lime in the coconut thank you carrie because there's a a one
1: chord song one chord
0: song (laughs) yeah you just play lime and you just strum down strum and you hold on to that c chord so yeah so i've been doing um there's wonderful resources available on YouTube that are play alongs. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, We've also been I've been doing a musician of the day right now this past week, um, because I wanted to make sure that we visited some more uh, black musicians, yes, for Black History Month, which is not till February, and it's January now, but also just because we should be doing this. Um, And I haven't done any musicians of the day or the month of the week uh, because we were doing doing so much Brazil and I was dropping in little things in there online when we were doing our Zoom things, but we didn't stay with a specific theme is what I'm trying to say. All right. Uh So I've uh been doing a black musician of the day. I mean, we've only been back. There was only four days. So we did Stevie Wonder on Tuesday which worked really well. Um, it was the day after Martin Luther King Day. So we got to have this conversation about this song that we heard, Happy Birthday, which Stevie Wonder wrote about how there should be a Martin Luther King Day. And we talked about how Stevie Wonder was extremely instrumental in making sure there was, and there is a Martin Luther King Jr. Remembrance Day. Um, so that was that was a, a, a wonderful thing to, to start with. And then we did Harry Belafonte on Wednesday and I have a strong love of Harry Belafonte he, the very first concert I ever saw downtown Denver my parents took me to see Harry Belafonte oh really uh, that's cool. So when I was like nine years old Aww. I grew up listening to a lot of Harry Belafonte it's kind of a uh, just a, a um, something that was going on in the house all the time um, and then we did Aretha Franklin and then we did Beyonce so I'm doing musician of the day just because we we don't have a lot of, I don't feel like I'm having um, a lot of time with these kids before the school year is over and I just want to get stuff in. So I'm spending about 10, maybe, well, no, about 10 minutes at the beginning of each class where we're listening, we're talking, we're using those sentence stems of what do you notice, what do you hear? Um we're talking about the cultural relevance and then we're playing ukuleles. So no, it's not a beautiful we're reading music literacy and I've had fantastic transitions and we're um doing our Timri Timri Timri's. We're not doing that right now and I'm not gonna apologize for it anymore. No, That's just don't. happening. Right now, because as much as as, you know, I I fight with myself and I go, but but you could you could do five minutes of rhythm. You could do five minutes of, you know, making sure we're singing and like, oh, but can we sing? Oh, we can sing a little bit. Like, I just can't. I I, I'm driving myself crazy this year. But you're
1: doing so much. I mean, they are they're playing, they are singing, they are listening and western music literacy and notation is such a small part of being a musician and we've had this discussion you know as as kodai educators is have we overemphasized the traditional western music literacy notation in our kodai inspired practice and you know i think i think there's many of us who have been thinking about that a lot this year especially right
0: i've been thinking about it a lot that this year and we've been talking about it a lot, you and I and, and others, but that doesn't mean that I've decided things. <laughs>
1: I'm just well, yeah, and I think I'm that's just the flailing thing around,
0: and and this. You're not uh,
1: flailing. You're no, just feeling it out. That's what right. I'm well, saying.
0: this pandemic, <laughs> this pandemic offers a, I want to say excuse, but a, a a situation where I feel like I can do this because the circumstances warrant change, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We Can't sing as much as I think we need to, in order to really nail down like specific pentatonic and diatonic and, you know, if you were gonna get into modal things, like this is, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm just gonna not even, you know, out loud justify it anymore. But I just anyone, any any pure Kodai people listening understand I'm struggling in my Kodai brain um, <laughs> with this yeah. whole thing.
1: We all and, are, yeah. Um,
0: here's the deal. I want kids to like music, and I want them to.
1: What a concept. <laughs> as
0: a part of their life. I want them to value music, and I want them to value listening, and I want them to value being musical, and I want them to value what it is in their personal world and in the world at large and in their culture and in their home. And that's the way I feel like I can do it this year. So that's what we're doing. So what about you, Carrie? Tell me all all the sixth grade and fifth
1: grade things. Well, like you, I've just been kind of feeling it out and, and not making it up as I go, but shifting as I go. um so I'll just mention I mean, we've talked about this a lot. We talked this about this a lot in episode seventy three which was called Building Relationships during Challenging Times, which mm-hmm. we recorded at the beginning of the year that like you, Tanya, a big goal of mine. This year, more than ever, was to really focus on social and emotional learning and building a learning community, even with my older students that I felt I knew well. I wanted to know them better and and create those relationships. So um, we did a lot of SEL, get to know you activities in the beginning of the year, thinking about how emotions affect our music choices. And that was kind of a little mini unit I did with them in the beginning of the year. Um, I, I adopted this idea of some mindful minutes in the beginning of my classroom. Thank you, Tanya that we oh, use the headspace yes. app a lot um, and then i decided this year since we've come back now i'm calling them mindful musical minutes and i tell the students you know the, the purpose is still just to kind of get ourselves focused and ready and and use music as a way to connect with each other so similar to what you're saying i will play a piece of music it's typically a youtube video so they also have the visual as well and i give them those same sentence sentence stems that you've talked about um, specifically what do you see what do you Hear and what do you wonder? And then we have a discussion. And that's been going really well. Um, because the mindfulness is so important, but I'm 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 always anxious to make sure that it's still musical. And I know mindfulness for the sake of mindfulness is is worth doing, and I, I agree with that, but I also want to make sure we're getting some good music time in too, so it's finding that balance. Um, something else that I've really shifted, and this is, again, kind of like you said, due to how we see our kids, is, you know, since we do everything in these two-week units, where in a perfect two-week unit, that would be 10 lessons, but let's face it, between holidays and um, teacher work days and everything else, I it's would like say eight in, in eight. average is seven to eight yeah. yeah. lessons. Um, I'm really, I, I've compartmentalized my curriculum as far as if I am focusing on a literacy type um, thing, which I've, I've done only rhythmic stuff at the beginning of the year. And I planned it purposefully that way, thinking that if, you know, restrictions loosen up a little bit, In the second half of the year, especially with the vaccine now happening, we might be able to sing more, we might be able to um, do more singing games and those things. So I purposely planned any of my rhythmic stuff for the first half of the year. And so um, within a two week span, I'm really just focusing on one concept. So it's not this traditional spiraling thing as we see in a Kodai sequence where you're usually focusing on a rhythmic thing and a melodic thing and kind of overlapping them. It's really just one thing. And... The other thing is I've really tried to implement this idea of a workshop model lesson into my classes where you start with some sort of an introduction. That's like your hook to get kids interested, which is often one and the same with my mindful musical minutes. So we're listening to something or we're experiencing something that's kind of getting us prepared. I give some sort of a mini lesson um, where I'm teaching the kids something more explicitly, and then they have independent work time on their Chromebooks. Usually some sort of an activity linked from Google Classroom, whether it be an interactive activity like a Google Slides activity or a Nearpod or something where they're showing their learning. And then I'm checking in with them and seeing how they're doing. Not so much conferencing, like small group conferencing like they talk about in a workshop because that's just not necessarily the reality and what we do, but just walking around, checking in, seeing how they're doing, and then if it's possible to share, so if it's like they're creating a rhythmic composition and they're able to play it on a percussion, we can do that. And then a closing to kind of wrap it all up in a neat little bow. So I've never really taught that way before, and I always told myself music teachers can't teach that way. That's not how we should be teaching because I was so attached to my Kodai world. But I think especially for older kids, it's really nice when they can have more of that independent work time because with the workshop model, that's the whole goal is the bulk of the lesson is them doing their independent work. Um, And I think that's keeping a lot of students more engaged too, which is interesting because it's less whole group stuff and more individual stuff. And I've
0: noticed that, well, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I'm going to say that like um, when we're virtual, when we're on Zoom, because I, I was doing that that same kind yep. of model that that has been the most successful thing with the totally. older kids. And I, I'm i around and I'm still on Zoom while they're doing their independent work, but I love that they're right there and they can turn off their cameras mm-hmm. and they can turn them back on and ask me questions and some of them like peace out and, and then maybe they email me or maybe they don't, but um, I've seen a lot more returns Kids getting things done, um, yeah. and you know what's really funny with the older kids. I'm sorry, I'm like I stepping on your thing, but no, no, no. Uh, I've had a few kids who are like, "Can we go into breakout rooms and discuss this part?" Yeah, and um, and so I've like, well, of course, sure. And this is very interesting that in the virtual um, environment we can do that. And I mean, I was getting so good at putting kids in pairs and putting kids in small groups in person right and and kids were getting so much of that and so good at that and it was helping them really internalize things and then with covid when they're in person like i can't do that i know so when we're virtual we got to take advantage of that and it's interesting The other thing is interesting is that like, at first I thought, oh, they just want to hang out with their buddies and talk. No, I pop in. I'm really good at popping in and out and in and out. And they really are, for the most part, they really are focused and working and having good discussions. So I'm going to slip off now. Sorry. Yep.
1: No, that was exactly what I was about to say. So thank you. (laughs) You said it very well. Because again, with this workshop model, you know, I, I would also like to see them doing a lot of group work, small group work and partner work, but in person, we just can't do that right now. but we weren't doing it virtually but um other than that i think the workshop model works well for in person as well if students do have one-on-one devices or even if it's just a worksheet or something that they're able to do independently but um really considering that to be kind of the, the basis of my lesson plans which i've never taught that way before so that's been interesting yeah um i'll say specifically for fifth grade so, again, we've been focusing a lot on rhythm, and I mean, honestly, we've just done a lot of review, again, to catch up those fourth graders in my combined classes, but also just because of, you know, how often I'm seeing my kids and a focus on other things, you know, and not so much the literacy. We did review again, um, T Ticka and Ticka T, um, and I realized last year, because of the pandemic and because of everything, I never taught them that Tom T, the the dotted Uh, quarter eighth combination. Um, So we're actually doing that now. So we kind of cut out of order and now we're circling back to Tom T. Um, And so I've just started preparing Tom T with really just like reminding students about Taking eighth notes, TT patterns, and you can see them beamed together, and you can see them unbeamed, and that's going to lead to seeing Tom T with that single T by itself later on. Um, we're still in the early phases of this. Um, in addition, though, this week especially, again, it was kind of the the perfect combination of. Martin Luther King Jr. Remembrance Day, as well as Kamala Harris in the inauguration, especially, and um, we've been using the song "We Shall Overcome" as just a a tying together song with those past events as well as present events. And um, so that's been our opening song, hook, whatever you want to call it, is I've been showing them lots of different performances of We Shall Overcome from different artists. And then we've been singing it together and talking about its meaning. And there was a video in particular, I'll link to it in the show notes, that talks about the history of We Shall Overcome and traces it even back to um, a Catholic hymn. The tune came from the Catholic hymn. And then that um, was probably taught to the troops in the civil war and and then you know then black Americans taking that song and using it as a hymn and then it becoming a rallying cry during the civil rights movement and anyways it's it's just a really fascinating lineage of that song in particular and the students have really loved it too I mean one of our most I will say challenging fifth graders who just struggles in many aspects of his school day comes in every day and says, are we going to listen to We Shall Overcome Again today? I really want to hear that song. So it's just really resonating with with my students. And it's just been a really lovely thing. And then later, way, way down the road, um, we'll be able to read the rhythm because it's got the Tom T rhythm in it. But that's... The secondary focus of the song that's tertiary focus of the song as far as i'm concerned um it just happens to be a song that we can really dig into the history and the meaning and then also be able to read it later isn't that lovely but that's not the point you know yeah. so so that's really fifth grade and then once we have learned tom t as far as our our literacy concepts go you know i'm hoping later this year to be able to bring back some melodic work with them and work, you know, we'll do a lot of review of the pentatone and, um, the extended pentatone. And then I'm hoping to get Fa in there with them, but we'll see. I mean, we'll just see how it goes. Now, sixth grade, um, again, I, I decided kind of like you, Tanya, like I'm not going to teach them any new rhythmic literacy skills. Normally sixth grade is where I teach them, uh, Timka, so the dotted eighth, sixteenth note combination, and then also um, six, eight meter and compound rhythms and things, but. Uh, with seeing my students in the hybrid model, which means I only see them a couple times a week, it's just, it's not gonna happen. So I decided instead to really dig into rhythmic review, but really more of a a larger picture view of what is rhythm and Mm -hmm. what are different ways we can create rhythm. And then we've been using Soundtrap a lot. So we're fortunate in our district to have a Soundtrap subscription. So all of our students have access to Soundtrap through their Google account. And so throughout the year, I've just been doing projects with my Sixth graders, Where we've been learning like a different aspect of Soundtrap with each of the projects so they're becoming more and more um, knowledgeable of it and it's all just been about beats and rhythm so far. and. We'll do more of a melodic focus with it later on this year, is my hope, and also tying into pianos, just like you're talking about, Tanya. So the first project I did with them was really just to learn how to layer loops on top of each other. So I told them that they had to have at least uh, three tracks. They had to have one that had a a drum loop, one that had a piano loop, and one that had a guitar loop, or no, it was bass, excuse me, a bass loop, and then they could add more loops onto it as if they wanted to, so I literally just taught them how to click and drag loops over, how to find loops, the ones that they like, and then how to adjust the volume on those loops so they had a little bit more balance, and then just let them do that, and that was a very simple one-day project, but it got them diving in right away and creating a a song, you know, a track that they really liked. So that was kind of cool. The second project I focused on Patterns Beatmaker, which is a a function in Soundtrap where you can actually create your own rhythmic patterns that then you can turn into your own loop and using different drum kits and different sounds. And um, there was really no rhyme or reason to it as far as like what they needed to create, I just wanted them to create it. So I showed them how to do it, showed them how they could loop their own patterns and just let them play around with it and learn. And then in their third project, I did relate it to notation. So we were taking rhythm patterns with quarters, eighths, and 16th, as well as like eighth, 16th combinations. And I was showing them how to translate that into Patterns Beatmaker. So if you wanted to write a ticca you would use, cause it takes each beat and it divides, subdivides it up to four times. So if you wanted to write a ticca you would just do the four little squares to create the ticca If you wanted it to be a tt, you would put one sound on the first half and one sound on the se- you know, on the third square. So, you know, technically it's like a little mini rest in between, but whatever you can- <laughs> it was just this idea of mathematical, you know, b- breaking down the rhythms to create those different patterns. So, so I, I had a question. Them- oh um- yeah.
0: Do you have them write it in traditional notation first or after or not at all?
1: So for this project, I wrote it in traditional notation. And so oh. I gave them a Google Doc. And I also set up the soundtrack project for them. So there were four tracks already in there. And then I color coded them. So there was a red one, a yellow one, a green one, and a blue one. And I said for the red, you know, track, I want you to create this rhythm. t ti ta tic a ta And then... Showed them how to do that. For the second one, I want you to create T, tick a T, tick or whatever it was. And so I did three tracks. And then for the fourth track, they got to create their own and do whatever they wanted to do for ah, that okay. one. So they yeah. ended up with um, a project that had four. Uh, tracks of rhythms. They call it beat maker in Soundtrap, which I have a bit of an issue with because we pounded into our kids so much the difference between beat and rhythm. It's really a
0: rhythm maker.
1: (laughs) It is. Um, So I've had that conversation with my kids about how um, in the music world, the the word beat really becomes synonymous with the word rhythm. And in this case, that's really what it is. And
0: and you can also relate it to like how people talk today about like, oh, I created this beat and they just exactly. make a track that repeats and repeats and repeats and they're talking about like, you know, something to move to, something to and and it's become a different
1: It's become a different name. Yeah, that's exactly different what it definition. is. Yeah. A beat in in this world is now basically a looped rhythm. You know, right. is really yeah. what it is. So they did that, but then in addition to that, I also had them compose a different day just as like a different project um, a 16-beat rhythm no I think it was eight beats it was an eight beat rhythm composition using those same rhythms and then the final step was they had to record their rhythm composition in the same project as their patterns beat maker so I was teaching them then how to record with like the built-in microphone function of Soundtrap so that was kind of the new learning with that one so they've done those three projects so far again all beat and rhythm focused um, but really learning the tools of Soundtrap as they go. And then the next step I think is going to be more learning about the melodic focus. You can create melodies. They have like a built-in piano kind of thing. Oh, nice. Um this is where I think we can definitely easily connect it into piano instruction if you're doing keyboards at the same time. Haven't exactly decided where I'm going to go with it, but that's basically the plan. So right now, I'm actually just reviewing with my students the major and minor scale, um, just what what makes a major scale, what makes a minor scale. Um, haven't gotten a minor scale right now, but we've been reviewing the major scale, and then I had them compose this last week uh, a melody, and I told them they had to use all the pitches of the major scale, and they needed to end on do. and I had them compose that in Chrome Music Lab using the song maker. And then I had them share that with me as a link, which you can do in song maker, which is really nice. So we're in that transition from rhythmic to melodic, but I wanted to give them a simpler tool for this first week as we're working with melody, because Soundtrap is great, but it's overwhelming, especially when you start getting into the melodic stuff. So I thought yeah. Chrome Chrome Lab Songmaker is something they're familiar with, but I told them I, want them, I want you to use it more purposefully now. You know, you're not just going to put a bunch of random dots on the page. I want you to really think about your melody and how it's moving by step and skip and a few leaps. And, you know, we talked about what makes a good melody and blah, blah, blah. So anyways.
0: It's not, it's not like filling in every cell and having it play and sound like a machine gun?
1: I literally said that to them. Thank you, Tanya. I said, you're not going to just draw pretty pictures. You're not going to fill in every single box and make it go as fast mate. as it can. So it sounds like a machine gun. I like, literally said that word for word. That's <laughs> so funny. Because that's what kids do. And I we've had so many experiences where I've let them just oh go to Chrome Music Lab and explore. But I really yeah. want them to see you can actually use this tool. You know, yeah. very purposefully, and the other thing is they have that new shared piano function too that oh, I'm yeah. gonna have them explore more and use purposefully when we are doing our piano unit as well. Yeah, so. I was
0: thinking about that and during the piano unit, but I haven't come up with exactly how I I want to use that because I know um, depending on the level, that would be a really awesome way to differentiate for kids who have experience. I don't, yeah, haven't yeah. worked that out. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then I also mentioned, yeah, I have some time carved out. I mean, I kind of gave myself the last rotation of of music to also play ukulele because I did just uh, through a donors choose grant. I'm going to be receiving 20, I think I'm getting 24 ukuleles <laughs> from my classroom, but they're not here yet. And of course, because of everything in the world being on back order, I have no idea when they're going to get here. So I'm going to do my pianos first and then if If we get our ukuleles in time, which gosh, I hope we will, we'll do those like in May.
0: Yay, so
1: that's the plan.
0: Woohoo. And now it's time for our no better do better segment and Carrie, you're gonna tell us what we should know and what we should do.
1: Oh well <laughs> I'm learning with everyone else. Some people inspire
0: so, to, um, to maybe, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So my my thoughts this week were just about being more thoughtful. Um, in the artist who I choose to represent in my classroom when playing recorded music for my students and yes. being more intentional about including uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color for my students. Um, so an, an example is I wanted to include some songs about peace as well as patriotism into my lessons this week for all grades, um, focusing on both the inauguration and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and so I wanted to play the song Peace like a river for my kindergarten and first grade students because it just has that lovely message and flow and I just thought it was it was fitting for this time and we were going to do some breathing exercises while we were listening to it. So I wasn't going to have the students sing along. It was just to listen to and then they were going to follow me as we did some breathing exercises for our mindful minutes to get started with class. And you know, my go-to recording for Peace Like a River is Elizabeth Mitchell, who's a great children's like folk singer. Um, her recordings are just very nice, acoustic instruments. I always enjoyed listening to her with my own children, and I play her recordings a lot for my kindergarten students because it's just somebody I know. It's my go-to. But I thought, well, let me let me see what else I can find, you know? So I started digging, and not even digging that hard is the thing. You just do a simple YouTube search of the song you want to hear and just flip through. And I saw um, a Black woman, Linda Randall, who is a gospel singer. I am not very familiar with the gospel genre. So she could be extremely famous and I wouldn't know it, but after listening to it, I thought, well, this is just as lovely. It's a slightly different interpretation, more upbeat, had a piano accompaniment instead of guitar accompaniment, but you know, just still a lovely, simple, clean version of the song for my students to listen to. So I chose that one instead. So, you know, it's not saying that everything I will play ever has to be by a black artist or a person of color in any way, but it's just that idea of just representation and making sure things are more balanced. And you mentioned this earlier in the podcast as well, Tanya, with, you know, we know black history month is coming up in February and, you know, I, I'm often find myself kind of debating with myself, like, well, we should be playing and celebrating black artists all the time, but at Mm -hmm. the same time we should be celebrating during February and calling attention to it because that, that, month is there for a reason just like in september i did things for hispanic heritage month so you know i think there can be a balance there of course you should be playing black artists throughout the entire year but it's also okay to call even more attention to it special attention to it during black history month as well So now Tanya is going to share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. Something that makes our teaching lives more at ease. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we're we're not spending as much time and energy, maybe. All right, so I'm just going to focus in, and this is not a techie thing, but I do have a, a very tiny techie thing I'm going to add at the end. Um, so... This year when I'm in person and when I'm not in person, we're using the Chromebooks that kids have like all the time, but this mm-hmm. is something you could do by with paper, of course. Uh, this year, When I, because I'm seeing kids for two weeks at a time, and then not at all for four weeks, I feel that when I come back to them and they come back to me, that there's been this big disconnect. And I really value knowing my students and having that relationship. And so I've taken taken like the first five to 10 minutes, the very first day back with a class, with every class, just i give them a google form and this is with um, older kids google form and i i made a seesaw really simple seesaw um form for the younger kids where it's just like hey how are you feeling today either circle the emoji or just tell me straight up and this past week it was like how do you feel about being back in person because i i want to honor those feelings of being scared, if that's happening, or being nervous about that. Uh, funnily enough, not a single kid said that they were like scared about being back because of germs. That's and I'm good. not. I'm definitely I mean, not downplaying um, our COVID situation. I I just I think that their um, desire to be in person and desire to be around other kids just has overridden any of their concern about um COVID especially if they're not seeing it right Uh, anyway all that to say I am so not a COVID denier um I (laughs) I get it I get it and I get nervous myself and I just keep on trucking and make sure I got extra masks on anyway so having them do this for them then I always ask what do you want to tell Miss Lejeune? Or do you want to tell Miss Lejeune something? And the reason I'm picking this as a work smarter, not harder, is because it saves a lot of time in me trying to figure out why a student might be acting one way or another way. So, a very solid example is at the beginning of the week, I had a student who is usually very very positive very chipper he's always talking to me and and asking me random things at the beginning of class um and he was not looking like that he was very quiet kind of sullen and right during class i was able to read what he wrote as as we were wrapping this up because you can read the responses right away and it turns out that his his dog is ill and they're going to put down his His dog, the family has had this dog for a long time and he's really sad about that. So like just knowing these things um, is really helpful because I all week long, I was like, oh, you know, this student, I'm not going to I'm not going to push in certain ways because I understand what's happening. Right. Yep. So anyway, that's my work smarter, not harder. And here's another thing that totally I've got no awesome segue for this. Wakelet is a good thing to collect, a place to collect your videos. And it's just a little more attractive than putting them um, in YouTube playlists on YouTube. So Wakelet is a site where you can go and you can have collections of videos. Um, And that's great because you can share your links to a specific collection. It's It's just like your playlist on YouTube. It just looks a little nicer and it feels a little tidier. And now it's time for our coda, where we talk about something that we're we're enjoying inside, outside of the classroom. Um, something that uh, is giving us life beyond teaching, music, books, pizza. Yeah. We got what, it. Yeah, okay. what have you. So- <laughs> Yeah. So, Carrie, tell us what what are you excited about? What do you want to tell other people that they should listen to, look at, her hear, chew Can on? Say-
1: yeah. All right. So um, if you haven't already, you need to listen to the podcast Music Ed Amplified with Missy Strong. Um, she started this back in December. I knew she had started it, but just life. And I haven't listened to it until today. Actually, I listened to her first episode with Karen Howard, whom we have mentioned many times on this podcast. Who Yeah, I'm a work. big
0: fangirl of Karen Howard.
1: Yes. We Dr. Karen Howard. Yes. Thank if you. you get an Karen
0: opportunity Howard. to see or read anything by Karen Howard. that's what you should do.
1: Or listen, which is what you should do in this podcast. So this specific podcast is titled Confronting Systemic Racism in the Music Room. And it's just all of the things that we have talked about so much and have been mulling over um, as far as Big changes, little changes—you know, all all of it. Um, and I'm sure the rest of the episodes are great, but I haven't gotten to them yet. So, um, congrats to Doctor Missy Strong on a yes. on a wonderful podcast launch. Um, music at Amplified, definitely give a listen.
0: Yeah, totally. All right,
1: Tanya, what are you enjoying?
0: Oh well, so many things. Um, I'm really okay. So, you know, we've all been quarantined off and on and off and on and off and on. I have to be honest, I'm kind of embracing the quarantine mindset (laughs) as far as like, I really enjoy being at my house and um, not having to leave. And now I've got a reason to say I'm not leaving the house. So I've been trying to read more over the past couple of years. And um, if you want to friend me on Goodreads, it's uh, T. Lejeune. T L E J E U uh, N E, just because I'm I just I want to read all the things because I feel like I need to catch up. There are a bunch of years where I did not read much at all, and I love fiction. Um, I like nonfiction too, but it's hard to read nonfiction when you're tired. And so I'm going to talk about a, a a book of fiction called This Must Be the Place by Kate Rakula. And her last name is R-A-C-C-U-L-I-A. And it's interesting because there's more than one book called This Must Be The Place. Um, And there's there's another one that comes highly recommended from people that I follow that um, actually I really couldn't get into. It was just not the right time, but anyway. So um, This Must Be The Place is this uh, book just about, um, about, uh, I've just started it and it's um, about, a guy who lives in LA and he's a recent widower and he goes back to the town where his wife grew up um, it's not it's it's not very serious and um, it's not pointed serious and heavy uh, it, it's very um, it, it's got some humor to it anyway this author she wrote a couple other books that I totally digged and I think I recommended them here she wrote a book called um no, now I'm blanking out. Uh, I'm so sorry. I can't. I can't remember. It'll come to me because I love both of these books. Oh, the Bellwether Bellweather Rhapsody, which is actually about a bunch of uh, high school musicians and music teachers. At oh, that's right. Festival. You have mentioned yeah. that. Yes. I and I think I also mentioned. I want to say it's Tuesday. Mooney War black, but that's the English title. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and it's about. Anyway, she's a great author. This is her third book that she's written. I don't think she's written anymore. I was kind of holding out on reading this because I knew then I would be done with the books that she's written. I hope she reads more or writes more. And anyway, it's called This Must Be the Place. And she makes lots of music references along the way, which is like something I super duper appreciate. I mean, she quotes song lyrics, but then doesn't bang you over the head with like, and by the way, that song was such and such by so and so. Like, it's just it's it's she's my people I like it there nice. you go yeah we've reached the double bar line thank you for listening to music teacher coffee talk show notes can be found at music teacher coffee talk you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram just look for music teacher coffee talk
1: If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we will continue our grade level series for 2021, and we will be talking about our new favorites for fourth grade. Until next time, this is Carrie,
0: And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.